And uh, I think people really like to re- like they can relate to music when it puts other things in their life into it. Like even just having a song with your name in it or things about your business, it just resonated. And I kind of got the feeling that it would resonate with others too. Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. Joining Brad today on this episode of Decision Point is Ryan Scalera. Ryan is an account executive with Dooley, but don't be fooled by the title. He's a little bit more than just that. And you'll get to learn exactly what that means. As today, Ryan and Brad will be talking about social selling. You'll get to learn a little bit more about Ryan's background. So tell me how you got here. So give me give me the background. Um, you know, did you, did you go to college? Did you not go to college? How'd you get into sales? Yeah, so uh, funny enough with the, the, the music and everything, I actually went to audio engineering school. So I wanted to be a record producer, had no real intentions of getting into sales or business in general. Like, and, like Scooter um, Braun? You wanted to be like, <laughs> you wanted to find Bieber? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, so it, it was um, it was an interesting process, but I just started uh, needing to make money in between uh, audio engineering gigs. And I got into a job where I was basically selling frozen Italian food at farmer's markets. And the first couple of days I hated it. And then all of a sudden I started to absolutely just crush it and love it. And from then on, I just wanted to get into more sophisticated sales and really kind of learn more about business. And it, it slow, snowballed over a long period of time, eventually got into insurance and then transitioned that career into technology sales where I'm still at today. Um, but as soon as I found tech sales, uh, software sales, it was like, uh, you know, I knew that I was going to be in it for the long haul there. Now, what was what would you say that I'm just going to grab a handful of things here. So when you when you went through the process of tra- kind of changing direction, so you're going to do the kind of audio engineering thing and you're like, OK, I'm going to get into sales. Was that a natural progression or did that was that like a setback progression? Like, did you come to a like a T in the road? Yeah, basically, I was uh, my daughter. Uh, my wife was pregnant with my daughter, and I knew that I needed to get more stable work. And I was working a five to nine, not a nine to five, in the audio engineering world. So it was like I would go to work five, come back at nine in the morning, and it was not sustainable. And there was only like three work, three months of work at a time. Basically, it just got to the point where I needed to figure out something else that I could do without like a bachelor's degree, but with what I was already doing. And I, I got very good at getting in front of record producers and, and artists and stuff like that back then. And I started to correlate that they're not really that different than CEOs and, and business people. Uh, we're people. Um, so if you can crack that code on how to get in front of one, someone, get their attention, help them with something that they're trying to achieve. So that became a natural progression as it went on. In the beginning, I wasn't sure where it was going. And now, um, you know, lifelong career, hopefully. Awesome. So, so what would you say the biggest difference between selling insurance and selling software is? Ooh, you can't really sell insurance in the first place. There's a lot of regulations and you can't, you can lay out the options, but you can't really make recommendations based on what you've collected as far as information. Um, And it's just so old school, the way that the industry is set up, there's no room for creativity it's just an age old industry that is not innovating. And I love like very efficient companies that are very thoughtful about everything that they're doing, driving the the ultimate goal of business forward where there's some like 
uh, some old school mentalities in that industry that I just could not, uh, I couldn't hit my stride in. So when I transferred to tech, it was a huge difference because it's fast paced. You know, there's a lot expected of you and it's not by any means easier than insurance, but I just truly enjoy it a lot more. So what were you guys selling and everything benefits? Just a benefit software? Benefits and HR tech. So that was how that became a really good transition is they needed someone who knew the benefits industry. And I did. It, it helped me a lot coming in as a like a transfer into SaaS uh, that knew their actual market in their industry and could speak on you know, a multitude of different subjects that their software actually does. And I had a couple connections in the industry as well. So that definitely helped just get me kind of like going early. Now, at what point do you, so, so I know you, so if anybody's listening here and you haven't checked out Dually and you haven't checked out what Ryan and his team are doing on LinkedIn, uh, definitely fascinating for sure. Lots of really cool videos. Do you, when, when does that, when do you sort of start putting that together on, on LinkedIn? Like just, cause when I, when I think about you, I almost think about you as like a Swiss army knife, half <laughs> sales guy, half marketer, which I think at some level we're seeing that a change, which I think you'll probably talk about. We're seeing a change in the, on how salespeople sell and yeah. how they generate exposure and opportunities. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit, just talk about your journey. Like at what point do you create your first video? When I'm going to call you DJ Ryan Scalera for this episode. Like, so at what point do you bust out the mics and the video cams and start telling your VP of sales that, that you want to start doing something uh, kind of crazy? Well, that that's a great, it, it was a transition just like that. I texted my VP of sales at Central Reach and I, I said, uh, hey, can I grab the first 10 minutes of our Monday uh, meeting? It was after a, a QBR we did and we had a sales trainer in named Keenan, who was, by the way, the next person I went to go work for. And they, they basically... I, I recorded a song that I had done about the QBR just as like a fun little thing because he had joked that he was like, oh, someone should write a song about what happened. And I went home. Oh, Keenan jokes or your VP of sales jokes? Uh, so my VP of sales, but I did it. He joked about it and I did the song about Keenan and uh, and the training. It was just so out of uh, field. They They didn't expect that at all. I never talked about that I did music or anything like that. And I think people really like to like they can relate to music when it puts other things in their life into it. Like even just having a song with your name in it or things about your business, it just resonated. And I kind of got the feeling that it would resonate with others, too. And that's when I started doing videos and little bits of like edutainment uh, content on LinkedIn. And it was just immediately I saw a lot of opportunity in it and I've been doing it ever since and it's brought a lot of opportunity. So I'm glad that I did that. But COVID was probably the like the real fire starter for it. When I got laid off uh, in the during uh, the pandemic, I couldn't get an interview. I could not get a job over the next guy because they were basically the, the talent market was massive. So I thought, what can I do that's different? that can make me stand out and get me in front of more people. I started going way in with the, the goofy and music content and sales content. And it started to get attention almost overnight within two months. I had a job uh, with Keenan himself 
and then from there transferred into uh, to Dooley when I saw a great opportunity. Now, tell me a little bit about, tell us about Dooley. Yeah, so Dooley is uh, basically it's software for sales and revenue teams. It's a connected workspace. We all know as sales reps that like we didn't get into the job to do data entry, although it's a vital part of our job and what we can provide for the business. So what Dooley does is it basically aggregates a lot of your different tech tools that a sales team would have and allows them to capture discovery info, all their notes, Salesforce fields, um, as easy as possible. Ultimately, we bring about an hour per rep per day in productivity gains. Uh, I started using it when I was at Keenan's because he makes me take down a lot of discovery notes. And uh, I became, I just got hooked because I was never too great at Salesforce uh, administration. <laughs> so it was something that, yeah, that that spoke to me personally. Well, I, I saw him do a little video on, you know, I think there was some poll that went out there as like, can you be a good sales guy without, you know, using CRM? And his position was absolutely not. I mean, you have to be, you have to be organized. Yeah, it's, it's funny, man, because I, I commented on playing devil's advocate uh, on that post. And he immediately called me right after he was like, Ryan, have you, if I taught you nothing, <laughs> we start going into it. And, um, we had a great conversation about it, but it was, it was funny because in reality, like if you're running enough opportunities, you, you need to have this information somewhere. It living in your head can work for a certain amount of time, but he's right. Like, good process adherence, good use of a CRM will just make a salesperson that much better. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Now, do you, what's the line between, so when you start, when you start at Dooley and you guys start putting out videos, is there a conversation around like what the brand is or how these videos are going to go out? Or do they just say, Hey, Ryan, go get them. So I am, I get to be a little bit of a lone ranger because I'm not on the marketing team, but I'm, I'm very tight with the marketing team. So I, don't I'm not really as involved in the planning of content. However, I can freely come to them and be like, hey, I have this great video or idea. And they'll be like, how can we help support you? So they have their own strategy that's very similar to mine. Um, and I get to kind of jump in when I want to. But as a sales rep, like you said, like I'm a pseudo sales rep marketer. What that does for my pipelines personally uh, I'm addicted to it now. So, so yeah. Well, yeah. So talk, so talk about that. What, what do you feel like the, you know, from an observer? Well, I think the one thing it does, I'll just throw in, I'm going to throw in a couple of comments. So I think the one thing about being good at uh, prospecting, generating leads, however you want to do that, whether it's inbound, outbound brand is super important, right? The better your brand is, the better your inbound and or your outbound is going to be particularly outbound, right? So if I call you from link me up at a uh, San Juan, Texas, that's different than if I call you from LinkedIn out of Chicago, right? So branding super important. So talk a little bit about, and so as part of this, I think, hey, you've created your own personal brand. So how has that impacted your, uh, how you're perceived as a sales rep and, and just selling in general? So um, I will say this, it's definitely great for the career in general. I've got to meet a lot of my heroes, so to speak, uh, in both marketing and sales that I would, I just get to pick their brain, which is awesome. Just being in that scenario from the pipeline standpoint, I would say about half my opportunities are generated uh, like personal inbound. So they're like reaching out to me. I had someone uh, 
LinkedIn messaged me this morning. Hey, I think this is a good lead for for Dooley. Uh, just a friend in the industry uh, across the sea. Um, however, yeah, it, it's it's just it for self sourcing opportunities. It's like no other. Well, it definitely creates a brand for yourself to go. Like my guess is you'll never, based upon what you've done at Dooley, you'll never have to do a resume again. I have not used a resume in in a little over a year and a half now, and it's the coolest thing ever because I would spend countless amounts of time tweaking, making sure my resume was perfect so I didn't get kicked out in a, an algorithm. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that's the case. Uh, I do think that if, especially if I stay in the revenue tech space, I have a lot of opportunity to continue like yeah, building upon it. Well, I know that I, I heard, so I don't know if you're familiar with Kyle Lacey, uh, Lessonly right. here in Indianapolis, uh, had been at open view. Uh, he said his job for everybody on his team is that they would not have, that they would leave Lessonly and not have to get a resume. And I think that's a great, I think that's a great aspiration, especially if you're a marketer. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. Um, and Lessonly does great, uh, with their marketing too. I've seen a lot of Kyle Lacey stuff. I think he's pretty heavily involved, uh, with the folks at Dooley too. So yeah, it's, it's something in this day and age where you can take it with you. You know, it's not your personal brand. And this is why it's important, like to have that sort of separation from, I'm not just Dooley at the same time. I work for Dooley and I love Dooley and I'm very passionate about it. So I talk about it a lot on LinkedIn. There's other things around just entertainment or education or opinions within the industry, documenting what I'm learning as I'm growing through my career. Those are those are all things that when I leave Dooley one day, I will have to carry on. Like it, it doesn't go away. Now, is there a balance in your mind between like when you put out a video, are you thinking about like your personal brand or you're just like doing stuff that, that you know, itches your fancy or that you're having fun that you think's fun? Yeah, there's a there's a balance. You don't want to become like the the dancing clown, um, which I've I've thought about a lot. It's like I don't want to be just like a parody or, you know, uh, satire. I, I really so I try to balance it out with content about the company I'm at, the problems we solve, the industry we're in. You think that's a distribution strategy? Like if you think about like it being potent, like everything you do is not funny and you're trying to dilute it down with other material. Yeah, you I have like a, a running like uh like list of types of posts that I do, types of content I put out, and I'm pretty methodical on what when. So if I do I, I'm not gonna do four music videos in a row, they'll get old and it just won't be as impactful as it is. Same thing. It's like if I'm only doing like LinkedIn polls or something like that, it's you gotta mix it up and find like a cadence that works for you. But yeah, I've started to get more granular with it over the past year. Well, I was going to say, I feel like you've done a good job. Uh, there's a handful of brands that I can think of that I would sort of consider, do a lot of content. I would consider to be goofy. Um, I don't consider you that way. You know, I think that you, I was going to say that sort of before you got into the secret of why, why, I, why I probably think that is that, you know, I see you as being very balanced. Like I don't, I don't have, I don't see you as the, I see you as being very professional, having a, maybe a, a point or like a position and then you're executing on that position and it does seem to be balanced. That would be my, that would be my perspective from the outside. I appreciate that. I think that's, that's good to, to hear that feedback. Cause uh, I think, yeah, in the, in the beginning when I was doing the videos, it was all about like how to make people laugh. And at the end of the day, like 
when I got into sales calls, they're like, oh, are you going to rap for us? Are you going to sing for us? And it's like, no, I'm a professional. I'm here to do my job. Do you have a problem I can help solve? Um, so figuring out a good way uh, to balance that, but then just like, you know, I don't take myself too seriously. Like being able to joke around, just be really goofy. This is part of who I am. So Now, do you have, um, now what's your process like? It sounded like you have a methodical execution process. So how do you keep everything organized? Do you have a Trello board? What's your content flow? Like when you think about content, it sounds like there's videos, there's polls. There's probably like, what's your day look like? How do you think about creating content and what's your day look like as a salesperson trying to balance all this? So I have, uh, there's types of like, I, I don't have like a Trello or like a content schedule, anything like that. I cr- try to create a couple different ideas. One of the big ideas that's like going to be a really creative video. Um, and then it's planning out just how to execute that. Usually it's on a weekend um, after like my daughter's soccer game, I'll go and I'll record and I'll put something together. And I have those structured out in kind of like a time frame. Um, the ones that are like big, important that I'm going to put a lot of work into. And then the other posts come to me during sales conversations. Like I think about something or there's a theme in a conversation I'm having and I can just quickly turn that into a LinkedIn post about my thoughts, get other people's feedback and thoughts on it too. And that seems to be the most natural way for me to do it. Because if I sat there and tried to write out 10 posts, they would all be kind of garbage. <laughs> um, but if it just hits me in a moment, I'll immediately type it out on my phone. I may save it as a draft or I'll I'll just ship it. And um, like yesterday, I did, I did something similar. And it was not something I was expecting to be a well-performing post, but it was, it just hit, it was just hit at the right moment and the right vein, I guess. Well, I know the last one that I, that I saw, which may be a couple of weeks old at this point is the G, the G2, Yeah. which I, which I thought I, it made me laugh. It was creative. Right. So does that one you t- That was not me. That was the marketing team. They, it was such a silly, funny concept, but they called me and they're like, Hey, can we do this? And I immediately just heard it and I was like, that's ridiculous. But it's also something nobody's ever done when they got, got a, a G2 leader category, whatever like that. Oh, so you gave that. me so many good ideas. Cause I'm like, Oh, from a market. So we could take, we could take all the people who are on G2 and like come up with a G like there, there's so many ideas I got from that, that maybe yep. it just made me chuckle, like instantaneously chuckle when I, when I saw, when I saw that. It's it's funny, man, and I I love it that the Dually team is really all about that brand, and we're doing things a little bit different. We're trying to to you know shake things up a little bit, and have fun with it. Now, when they bring so when they bring sales reps on, so it looks like at this point, like how big's your how big is your team? Like how many sales guys are on the sales team? How big's the marketing team? So we have, uh, oh, I don't even know how big the marketing team is now because they're adding a lot more seats there. Uh, I started, I was like 16th employee, I think. And then now we're over 40. We're going to be somewhere beyond that pretty soon, uh, scaling really quickly, hiring a lot of folks. We have four sales reps, including myself. We have our head of revenue, our head of rev ops. And we're hiring like SDRs right now. So probably like six now, going to be like 10 in the near future. Okay. So when they, so when they're bringing, so my question was going to be, and I want to know the size of the team is like, um, when they bring, so I know one of your counterparts, or I don't know her, but I know that you have another person on your sales team, Zoe, I see her do a lot of stuff. 
are they teaching, are you guys sort of indoctrinating people on how to be kind of sales marketers online or like, what's the, what's the process? Like, are are you guys already thinking about that? Like, okay, we're going to, we're hiring SDRs. Is the SDR, is part of the job description going to be like, you know, make videos and interact online? Not, so it's not a forced thing. We don't, we don't want to create a culture where it's like, you have to be creative. That doesn't, you know, breed any creativity. I think it's just, we really lucked out and, and Zoe is technically on, on marketing. Uh, but oh, okay. like, we all have a, a similar kind of idea, even across the sales team. Like I'm, I'm probably the only one that puts out like content across the sales. Yeah. Team. I've not seen anybody else on your, on your team, but like, we're all really like I love working with the same we're all really good in and each of us have a like different like strong suit or like skill set that we're really efficient at so like I like it it's not we're just hiring carbon copies of each other and building this like like we're the real Ryan Scalera please stand up (laughs) no no. (laughs) don't have to rap or sing to work at Dooley Do we'll feature it like that's the thing. Looking for rappers and singers to sell enterprise <laughs> sales software. Uh, uh, the amount of people in sales that I found out were like really into music uh, is just astronomical. They, I think it goes hand in hand. Uh, people that are like creative and you know some some sales folks are very analytical and they don't want to touch music at all. There's others that really just like connect to art, music, all those. I mean, music is a human thing, right? I mean, it's the one place that you can sort of like, I I think in most cases, unless somebody's just into something that's maybe atrocious to, to somebody else, you know, most of the time you can find some common ground, right? You can find a song across genres that you can relate to somebody. I think, I mean, do you find that in most cases, like when it comes to music, you can find something. I, that's like one of my hobbies is trying to find songs that I think someone else would like. I like ask them like, what kind of music do you listen to? And I try to find something maybe they haven't heard that they would like. Um, like, honestly, the, the choices of the era of music that I choose when I do my content is very methodical based on the ICP that I go after. Okay. Tell me about this is going to be really, so I, awesome. Tell me about that. So yeah, I like I was doing like '90s hip hop, early 2000 like uh, songs like Green Day and uh, Closing Time. Like I choose those particular songs for a reason. A, they're like earworms most of the time. My ICP kind of fits into that elder millennial uh, Gen X um, window, and we're all about nostalgia, and it's really it's trying to go after uh, that audience. So if you want some to speak to something to speak to someone, it may not be the newest hit on the chart. Um, I try right. to, I mean, when I listen, when, when you did some of those, well, one, you did the, I, did you do, I want to build a snowman. What, what are the, what are the recent ones you've done? Like throw out the songs. Moana one. Okay. I mean, that took, yeah. I mean, I saw that with my kids. Right. So it was like, you know, I'm guessing guys you're talking to have two or three kids, you know, you nailed some, yep. One of the three kids they have is going to have one wanted to watch that for a grand, even a grandkid, right? Thousand percent, yeah. It's uh, it, Disney is like I'm waiting for them to come out with another banger because like I need more material. <laughs> like, oh, I thought you were going to say I'm waiting. I'm waiting for them to come after me for using all these Disney songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that brings up a good point. Is there any like when you're doing the songs? Is there any limitation to the music in terms of or no? Because you're singing it. I uh, we'll cut so, this too if you if you 
I'm just curious. <laughs> no, so I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of people in uh, you know the music legal side of things to understand if what I'm doing is legal, fair, you know, use whatever. Um, ultimately, if I ever got like a cease and desist, I would take the videos down. There's nothing really tying me back. I'm not profiting off of right. it. There's no way to trace if I've like closed a deal because right. of this. And it's, um, falls in an interesting place in like the laws of like parody and uh, cover. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So, interesting. Uh, so there's, par- okay. So there's parody laws, right? Like, Hey, you know, creative consent or maybe not what would you call that creative intent it's yeah so i know youtube like took down a lot of parodies and there there's like some legal gray area in it but yeah you like if you're just taking someone's song and and posting it and then monetizing it that's an issue that's an issue different than hey we're we're making a parody or whether that's poking fun like i'm not going to pump ad dollars behind the content I do ever. It's only going to be organic um, if I'm using other people's music. And then there's other songs that I've done. Uh, like I did one in the very, very beginning of the pandemic called Working From Home. And I produced and recorded the whole thing. So it's my music. I own all the rights to it. Okay. Now, do you have do you have kids? Yes. Your kids, are they like, do they think dad's a sales guy or do they think dad's a DJ? Uh, my, I have a seven-year-old and an almost two-year-old and my seven-year-old loves it. Like, I think she's, she tries to like write and come up with songs because she's watched me do it. Right. Um, but yeah, so sometimes she'll get in my car and she'll be like, dad, can we listen to some of your music? I'm like, okay. Let's, let's do it. That's she loves it. Uh, she she definitely knows I'm in sales. We have uh, John Barrow's book. Uh, I Like, I want to be in sales when I grow up or, or something like that. And uh, it's one of her favorite books. So she wants to be in sales one day. Maybe. I don't know. She, she may find out what it's all about and say, heck no. But, yeah. Yeah, she might be in marketing, you know. Who knows? Who knows what marketing will look like when she's in I know, I know. I'm excited for that. I, I, you mentioned a great point is that like salespeople are starting to act a lot more like marketers. I think marketers are starting to act a lot more like salespeople too. And both of those are good signs. Like I think they're both signs that their people are doing well at it. The- where, where would you draw the differentiation between, I, I mean, I think I saw online, like, you know, marketing is not sales and sales is not marketing. There's definitely some overlap, right? Like, and especially... I think if you're thinking about lead generation, because like marketing a sale and marketing a lead or an interest is, is a little different. So I'd love to hear your storytelling. I think that that's the, the absolute great, like common thread between marketing and sales is storytelling. Uh, they're telling stories to two different audiences at two different parts of the journey. But ultimately, the salespeople that are telling a story more like a marketer and, and, you know, going out there capturing attention and they're having better luck on generating opportunities. And the marketers that actually understand not just releasing a boring white paper, but how can we entertain and provide value in whatever we're doing in marketing so that it helps the, the prospect kind of self-actualize what it is that they could get out of your product and service. That's where I think like now that a lot of these teams have like marketing teams have a revenue number over their head, Uh, top of the funnel, you know, whatever leads, whatever it may be. But I think that that's, you know, I'm as a sales guy, I think that's awesome. I know attribution is hard, but 
Yeah. Well, I definitely think it makes sense. I mean, so I think, you know, so Kyle, here's, he's here in Indianapolis. I think I heard him refer to it as like a revenue first team. So like his team has a number we're trying to hit, we're trying to impact pipeline. We've got a percent. I don't know if he referred to it as a percentage or an actual hard number that they're trying to hit, but they want to be able to say, Hey, this amount of the pipeline, we're able to contribute back to marketing, um, which would fall in line with that. You know, I, I think he's a sales-minded marketer. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mark uh, Young on on my team, uh, same. He's like me and him clicked pretty much immediately, um, and I found out about the job opening through him, honestly. But it really helps. I, I know they say like marketing and sales alignment, marketing and sales alignment. But when marketers start to understand, like not just about like setting up a a system to pump out. But actually, like we're both going towards these results, it can create such like a better experience for the sales reps, for the customers. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I don't know if it, you, you know, I think of myself as a marketer as much as I think of myself as a salesperson. And I wonder if some of that's just due to the size of a, of, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur mm. and uh, or starting a business. Um, and um, your when your team's small, everybody's got to work together. Right. When you get big, then people start getting separate, you know, start getting separated. But when you only have, you know, eight or 10 people on sales and marketing team, you know, everybody's got to collude. So, Where would you say you uh, enjoy spending the most of your time? Is it more on the sales or more on the marketing? Um, I mean, it's probably more on like marketing strategy is probably the place that I think, you know, I have lots of, I have just endless reams of ideas and post-it notes and, you know, there's not enough bodies to execute all my, you know, <laughs> I love all, it. All my, all my ideas. And then I got to be careful, like getting around idea people too. So I'm like, I like to hire people who have good ideas and then all of a sudden everybody's just running around coming up with ideas. And I'm like, man, we got to find, we got to find some executors around here. So yeah, that's a, uh, I think an execution is, I think usually the, the harder part. Um, I had to create like a, a literal filming schedule and like ask my wife to just like, like, Hey, listen, I'm going to take Saturday and I'm going to go get these things done. Uh, and now it's more of like a smooth, like a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. But I was not great at executing and I had to kind of force myself into that behavior. It's not like natural on that side for me. On, on that side. Now, when you put out the videos and they've got all the background, uh, I don't know if you consider it art or you consider it, you know, like, the, are you using Canva? Like, what do you put, what, like, what's what's in the stack of stuff that you use to put something out? Are you using? Yeah. yeah. So I have a, I have a green screen over there with uh, lights. Um, I use my iPhone to film everything. No, no fancy camera. I use a software called Filmora 9 and it's, I think it was like $45 for like a year. Although I used to use a free system on my phone called uh, a video shop or InShot. It doesn't take much to create pretty like good enough uh, LinkedIn efficient, like efficient content. And then obviously like I, I do have the audio set up. And I can record like actual songs and then place video. Well, you got a good voice too. You got a good voice too. I tr- I try to sing at my house and my family's like, hey, if you uh, God wanted you to sing, he'd have given you a better voice. I'm like, come on, we gotta, we gotta be that. We gotta be that mean. 
I'm I'm okay. So I grew up with a sister that was like incredible at singing, and I was always like kind of uh, like I didn't go towards it until recently. But I thought I'm like, well, if I can't sing, maybe I can learn to rap. And it took like years and years, and I put a lot of time into it. But I learned uh, basically that because I thought I couldn't never sing. You thought you could never sing. That's hey. What's the one thing that you're like really passionate about right now? That's a it's a good question. I, I guess I'm really just passionate about exactly what I'm doing uh, and trying to find a real balance uh, to to kind of keep doing this. I I love making the industry and the job fun and you know lighthearted and entertaining. I think there can be like a negative connotation around sales, and there can be you know just it's a tough role in general. So if we can make it a little bit, you know, more fun, if we can make it a little bit more entertaining and still like be very successful in it, like I want to bring that out and show people that they can completely be themselves and it'll actually probably benefit them more than they think. Because I buttoned it up in the insurance industry for long enough and I actually am, I just, I'm doing way better now that I'm 100% honest with uh, who I am. Were you feeling like a little stodgy? On the insur- I mean, insurance seems like a lot of handcuffs, right? There's a lot of stuff you can't say, you can't do. It's probably personal. Like people are buying you. The product is sort of the product, right? I mean, there's it's not like software where there's features. And there, I mean, there's not a major problem you're trying to solve when you buy insurance. You're It's maybe risk avoidance or, you know, but at the end of the day, like software is something that, and every every salesperson dreams of selling a software that solves a massive problem. And that's why I seek out companies that solve a large problem or really changing something that a lot of people will be excited and happy about because it makes the process a lot easier. Then it's really about doing a really good consult consultative uh, sales process and digging in and seeing like, well, what's going on in your business? Well, you know, how can we help? Let's try and map this out together rather than like, Here's your different premiums for you know, this insurance. You can make the choice and let me know when you want to write a check, kind of thing. Yeah, there's no, there's no, and there, you're right. There's well, insurance. I mean, yeah, we could go on and on about the you know the differences. I do think yeah. you're probably selling yourself more than than in a software situation where you really are selling the software. Not to say that yeah. people, you know, look if you're a jerk, people aren't going to want to buy your software. But um, if you solve a big enough pain, um, you could be a total. You know, total. you could be a you could be a lot bigger of a jerk than you could without that. Yeah, yeah, for for, uh, yeah. for sure. So, I hope you guys enjoyed that. As always, uh, if you want more information on the podcast, go to monsterconnect.com forward slash podcast. Uh, you can get last season's, uh, last year's episodes. You can get all the new episodes for this year. And as always, remember, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. Until next time. Yeah.